Hello and welcome to E3, Energy and Efficiency with Emily. I'm your host, Emily Mottram. This podcast is all about architecture, building science, and female entrepreneurship. So prepare to get nerdy. So I'm back from vacation and planning to kick off another couple of great weeks here on the podcast. And I thought, I promised you guys some building science shorts and I haven't done any recently. I think it's been actually about 10 weeks since I did the last one. So this week is going to be a short one. So easing you back into the longer podcasts with guests. But today I wanted to talk about net zero energy versus net zero carbon buildings. If you haven't been following along on BS and Beer, we introduced uh, the BS and Beer Show book club a couple of weeks ago. And the first book that we're reading as part of the book club, we're giving everybody a couple of months to read it, and then we'll have the author on, is The New Carbon Architecture by Bruce King. And there are so many things in this book that remind us as a building community that for a long time, maybe the last 20 years or so, we've been really pushing towards net zero energy buildings and reducing operational energy in our buildings and improving the efficiency. But it's become really clear that we also need to start paying more attention to embodied energy and the carbon that's in our buildings from day one. And that's products, extraction, manufacturing, shipping, getting it to the site, building with it, the actual materials. So on day one, what is the carbon that we've used in our building? How do we work with carbon storing materials or carbon negative materials? And how do we reduce the overall carbon footprint in the next 30 years? So, so we, the built environment, need to make a big impact on the Paris Climate Agreement's terms to keep it well below 2 degrees Celsius back to pre-industrial levels and to pursue uh, efforts to limit the temperature increase to 1.5 degrees Celsius so that we can actually bring the planet back to what it was. And if we get above that 2 degrees Celsius, a lot of climate scientists think that there will be nothing that we can do to reverse climate change at that time. I think being home during COVID has... um, really been interesting. We saw a lot when places were shut down of the air quality improving and um, just different areas of the country having a major impact by us doing less industrialization. And obviously, economically, we can't stop doing all of that. But as our push towards zero fossil fuels and especially in our buildings, zero fossil fuels moving forward, We need to both pay attention to the operational energy of our buildings, but also to the carbon impact of those buildings and how can we build buildings now that will actually pull carbon, store carbon for the buildings that we already have. So today I wanted to just talk a little bit about what's the difference between net zero energy, what does net zero energy even mean, and what's net zero carbon mean when we're talking about building. So first, let's start with uh, what zero net energy, net zero energy uh, means for us, because for about 20 years now, the building science community has really been pushing towards this, towards operational energy. And so the U.S. Department of Energy defines zero energy buildings as an energy efficient building where 
on a source energy basis, the actual annual delivered energy is less than or equal to the on-site renewable exported energy. And so usually what that means is if you produce everything that you need on-site in the summer months, you push that back to the grid, and then in the winter months, you pull from the grid to make up the difference, then you're considered net zero at the end of the year by adding and subtracting all of your yearly usage data. So that's how the U.S. Department of Energy is currently design it, designing or defining uh, zero energy buildings. There are some purists in the field who think that that net zero energy isn't exactly true if you're using other fossil fuel sources. So perhaps you have a propane backup generator or a gas wood a gas stove or a backup wood stove. Um, and so there are some terms that they don't necessarily like. Um, it's also a little bit questionable when you say, you know, net zero and you're pushing energy to the grid and getting energy back because the source of that energy isn't produced the same way. And so there's some controversy on that, but that's kind of how the U.S. Uh, Department of Energy is currently calling out or defining zero energy buildings. But what comes into account when we think about that is we're not taking into any consideration what happens to the building products before they get to the site and on day one of move-in. So we've also heard, you know, life cycle analysis, cradle to grave, um, you know, how are those products both extracted, then manufactured, then shipped to the site, and then uh, used and put together in the site with other different materials. And that's when it starts to get really interesting. Like the steel industry has difficulty. They want to use 95% recycled steel, but they don't have access to enough of it. Or um, another thing that I found really interesting on a total offshoot is, you know, clothing companies and clothing brands that are talking about using recycled plastic bottles in their clothing lines. But what we're finding is that not enough people are recycling to provide the demand for recycled bottles. And so a recycled bottle into a recycled bottle is a better upcycle of that bottle than a recycled bottle into a piece of clothing, which then can't be recycled further on. So thinking about the products that we make, how they can be recycled, what's the energy that needs to be used in order to create what it is. So if you're mining for ore and making steel, how much energy do you have to use to make that steel into a member that you could use then to put in a building? And then it needs to be trucked from wherever that facility is to where you're going to install it on the site. And so that uses a lot of embodied energy, as we call, or carbon to get to the job site and to the building. And so we have other natural building materials like straw bale and um, Forest Stewardship Council wood, which draw carbon out of the atmosphere and store them within their product themselves. And then using those as natural materials means that we can offset some of the carbon that we have to use in some building products to get us to a net zero carbon building. So that's a really simple overview of what it is. But from 2020 to 2050, it's going to be incredibly important for us to start using both materials that are carbon negative 
to pull carbon out of the atmosphere and also carbon neutral materials that use less carbon on day one when we get there. And things like spray foams have gotten better over the years and the blowing agents that they originally had were really terrible for the environment. They're getting slightly better. It still may not be the best product. Is it the best thing for your health? How is it installed? And is it really recyclable? If you think about spray foam, it's sprayed into the walls, and I think about it as gluing things together. And so if you didn't catch last week's BS and Beer show with Ted Benson on talking about building for remodeling in mind, if you know that you're going to remodel, and everybody does, what can we do to better our buildings so that they're easier to plan for future renovations? You know, is it going to need new siding? Is it going to need new windows? Are you going to need a different layout on a kitchen and bathroom? How do we stay out of the wall system and improve the quality of our buildings for future renovations without having issues. And so when I think about spray foam, not only is it an environmental ding, but it also doesn't really plan for how you're going to renovate in the future. And to be fair, for all of those out there who are listening who also complain about cellulose, about how messy cellulose is when you have to do a renovation, um, cellulose is such a great carbon, low carbon material. We use it a lot in the Northeast. Um, it can be a real pain in the butt because it's a loose blown insulation. So if you have to renovate with it, it does make a huge mess. And so it makes you wonder if building a thermal space and then building your utility space outside of that doesn't make a lot more sense for planning for future renovations and still being able to use low carbon materials. Um, and I don't know anything about it, but if you happen to catch a previous BS and Beer show um, where we had uh, Jacob Raskusen on and he talked a lot about straw bales and straw bale construction, I don't know how easy that is to renovate a straw bale construction, but they're now making multi-story straw bale construction, which Initially, we thought that was never possible. We thought straw bales were only really good in dry environments. And so it's been fascinating to see how we're introducing new and natural building products into the lineup to try to help us meet these carbon offsets and carbon negative buildings. So anyway, that was the brief, short, once over, read Bruce King's book, The New Carbon Architecture where it goes into a lot more depth. Um, tune in to a future BS and Beer show on September 23rd, when hopefully we will have him on to talk about the book and our review. And just start thinking and Googling the terms net zero energy and net zero carbon so that we can start talking about what the difference is and how we need to think about our built environment, not just in operational energy, but also in embodied energy. The leaders in our industry right now are uh, acknowledging that at a community scale, the real target and the focus is shifting more recently to zero carbon communities. Um, this has a number of challenges, including policy implementation. 
We spend a lot of time doing research and spending money on different products that we've made, foam boards, spray foam, etc. I'd love to see us spend a lot more time figuring out how to get some of these natural materials. Um, hemp is a great renewable material. It grows quickly and they've proven that they can turn it into a lot of different things. Um, we're starting to see them use it in hempcrete, which is still a I would say somewhat more of a homeowner do-it-yourself style of a material, but as it grows in popularity, it could be used in a lot more um, professional ways. Um, we've also talked about reducing carbon in concrete, um, which Carbon Store is actually a really cool product where they actually take the carbon and they pump it back into the concrete itself. Um, so there are some concrete manufacturers who are moving towards that. And cement in the concrete is what uses 95% of the carbon because of how hot they have to get it to turn it into that product. And so as we see more recycled content, it's really exciting where concrete is going to go because concrete currently is 9% of the world's carbon emissions. And if we build New York City every 35 days, we need to start thinking about the amount of concrete we're using in our buildings. So as we move towards zero carbon communities, we'll move away from concrete in the traditional sense, whether it's a more recycled version of concrete or whether it's just less concrete. We're always trying to convince people to try helical piers, which is exciting and challenging all in its same efforts. And I find that as an architect with an interest in building science, it's just fascinating to me to have to update and change details to accommodate these future changes in low carbon buildings. It's fun to figure out how to recreate details that have become traditional and aesthetically pleasing in ways with, um, you know, what do you do with a straw bale building that has two foot thick walls? Or, you know, what do you do with large overhangs? Or how do you do a waterproofing detail on a building with zero overhangs? So as we move forward towards zero carbon communities and that switching the focus from zero energy and where we've been going with operational energy. I'm excited to continue to grow my building science knowledge. And if you don't follow me already on Instagram, follow at Matram A-R-C-H on Instagram to see some of our projects. Hope you guys have been enjoying these episodes as much as I have. I've had some really interesting guests, a lot of great professionals in the building science and architecture and building realm. So thank you to all the guests that have been on. If you're enjoying the podcast, like and share on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or leave me a comment on the website. And if there's somebody you'd like to hear from or you'd like me to have on the podcast, send me an email, emily at matramarch.com. Otherwise, have a fantastic weekend and we'll see you again next week.